This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest to your absolute very best. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's good, Bryce. I feel like you're already duplicating openings again. Yeah, I threw absolutely very best in there. Uh, what, you're just cha- changing the words now. Absolutely very best. Um, yeah. To very your very best. best. Yeah. 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 Well, look, so far no one's coming to say otherwise, so people must be really enjoying it. I guess so, or they don't care enough to comment. <laughs> this is also true. All right, I'll commit to the next episode having something a bit different. I agree, running low on ideas, but also can't keep with the 20 minutes. <laughs> Mate, in, invest, invest and best have a lot of words that rhyme with it. Yeah. All right, um, give me one. Listen to us before you rest. Um, <laughs> uh, Don't ever contest um, us. Ne- neither of us wear a vest. <laughs> True, I wear a vest. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's plenty of words that rhyme. I reckon there's been a failure of imagination and we will commit to fixing it in August. That's that's yeah, well, and that's fair. By Look, we, I mean you, yeah, me. really. I'll, 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 take, I'll, I'll take it as a, a, uh, a task to do, but that's because all of our... I'll give you some, I'll give you some rhyming words. Okay, thank you. Send them through. <laughs> yeah. But that's because all of our brain power, Ren, is going into today's episode, which is the Ask Us Anything for the month of July. Pretty keen to get stuck into it. For those that have, for those of you who are new to the show, welcome. Welcome on board. Welcome to our journey of investing. Super keen to have you. Today's episode is all about answering all the questions that have come in over the last month from our listeners and, and our community. So we have people asking questions on Facebook, on our Ask Us Anything forum online, through email, a number of different forums. And so we are going to do our best absolute very best, Ren, to um, to answer them all before we rest and put on a vest. So <laughs> unless you've got anything else to add, Ren, should we get stuck into it? No, I, I couldn't top that. Let's get into it. <laughs> 
And I am going to apologise to all of our listeners who have sent in questions. In preparation for this, I have failed to uh, include the names of the people that asked those questions. So you'll know if this is your question, but unfortunately can't give you a shout out. We'll endeavour to do that next time. Hopefully, hopefully uh, answering your question is the main reason yes. you wrote in. And so, Not the shout yeah. out. If you want us to just shout you out, then just email <laughs> us and ask for a shout out and we can do that <laughs> like Ren's mum does all the time. But um, <laughs> anyway. So. All right, on to the first question. Um, I'll, I'll start it by asking you. So there has been a new Chinese stock market that opened recently called Star Market and true to its name, it's been a bit of a star performer. So the questioner wants to know, is it worthwhile? Are there any ETFs that get you exposure to it? Uh, And are there any particular stocks that you're interested in in this newly created star market? So star market. So the Shanghai Stock Exchange, as you said, Ren, created a new market essentially putting together some of China's most, I would some say promising or largest tech companies. Uh, And their goal was to catch up with America's NASDAQ, which is an exchange over there that has all of their tech companies uh, and is, uh, you know, very attractive for many investors. So the Shanghai Stock Exchange Science and Technology Innovation Board, that's where STAR came from, is being called that uh, by the Chinese. Although science and science technology innovation board doesn't translate to STAR in English. No, it doesn't. But for some reason, that's probably something gets lost in translation. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So it began trading on Monday with 25 companies listed. I think they have a wait list of about 150 that they're going through at the moment. The stocks ended up opening the day with huge gains ranging from 84% to 400%. So huge gains from for those stocks. Interestingly, Ren, I didn't know this, but the return the returns are partly the result of a regulatory exemption for the star market, which suspends a rule that otherwise limits first day gains to 44% on the Shanghai and Shenzhen exchanges. And after the first five trading days, the daily price moves will be capped at 20%, either up or down. So there's a bit of market manipulation there going on from, I guess, the exchanges themselves to per- perhaps avoid such huge fluctuations in price. But interesting that they have that they do have that. So that's not in the question. But in terms of is it worthwhile, are there any ETFs? I couldn't find any ETFs on it just because it's so new. Uh, in terms of being worthwhile, I mean, personally, I stay clear of the Chinese market at the moment. Too volatile, and as it shows, they have these caps just to. Uh, I guess, limit the volatility. Stocks to watch, it's probably got some of the big ones, Tencent and the like. But for me, it'll just be a watch this space. Any comment, Ren? So, yeah, so I don't I don't actually think it's got Tencent on this star market. So I think part of the reason they created it was to try and bring back some of their tech superstars. So Tencent and I think Tencent's in Hong Kong and then Alibaba is in New York okay. on yeah, the New York right. Stock Exchange. Yeah. And I think they're trying to bring the, some of these companies back to China. In, in terms of what the questioner asked, is there an ETF that gives you exposure to it? Not not that I've seen yet. Stocks to watch. There's a few. Um, there's a few African companies that are apparently looking to list in China um, on this market that I think would be quite interesting. But yeah, sa- same as you, I... I wouldn't even know where to begin investing directly in China. And there's obviously a lot of regulatory risk. You know, I think I think three tech billionaires have been made already out of this 
uh, out of this market just because, you know, they've been crazy gains to begin with, but it could all vanish just as quickly if you fall out of favour with the wrong party officials. Mm-hmm. So fascinating to watch. Not something I've invested in is probably the long and the short yeah. of it. Okay. Nice. So question two, Ren, I'll ask you a uh, very easy one. So Raise, the microfinancing app that we've talked about a bit on the show, have interviewed their CEO, George Lucas. The management fee is now $2.50 per month. I think when we first, well, when I first signed up, Ren, and we first started talking about it a couple of years ago, it was $1.25 or about $1.50. Uh, our listener wants to know, do we reckon it's still worth it? Well, I actually never reckoned it was worth it. So, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so I think the answer is probably the same as before. Um, I know you, you did use it. I'm not sure if you still do. Uh, as a percentage, the management, as a percentage of the money that's in that account, it can be quite high. You know, if you're just rounding up, well, for, for those that aren't familiar with Raise, it used to be called Acorns in Australia. Every time you buy a $3.50 coffee or whatever it is, it'll round that purchase up to the next dollar and it'll take those cents and invest it for you. So it's a, it's a cool idea, a really sort of low-touch way of getting into the market. But, you know, if you're just rounding up your purchases and you're not spending that much money, you might be getting a few tens of dollars a month into that account. And then if they're, let's say you're getting... For ease of maths, 25 bucks in that account, and they're taking $2.50 per month. That means they're taking 10% of what you're investing in fees, which is incredibly high. If that's the case, it's not worth it. If you're topping up the account with extra money as well, so as a percentage, it's a lot lower than 10%, it's, you know, 1%, then yeah, it probably is worth it. It's a really easy way to get some exposure to the market without you having to think too much about it or really consciously save if you're if you're not a good saver if you don't have you know if you don't have the skills or the discipline to put money away and not spend it things like this are great because it gives you exposure without thinking but yeah look as a percentage of your investment it's a pretty high management fee so if you can find a way to get exposure to the market without paying that management fee that's probably a better option yeah agree not too much more to add to that, Ren. I think if you were to stick to a rule of thumb of trying to pay 1% or less in terms of brokerage, you'd want to be topping it up by, you know, about 200, 250 bucks a month if you didn't have too much of your roundups going in, obviously depending on how many roundups you do have going in. but And just maybe to speak to personal experience really quickly, rather than using raise, what I do is I have a general sense of how much money I need to spend when it when each paycheck comes in and then I try and get anything above that or anything I've saved from the last paycheck and transfer it into another account, into an investing account. And so then I can't spend it and then it's in my investing account and then I invest it, you know, when I'm looking at stocks or when I think there's something to do. So maybe that might be an easier way to get that money out of your spending account so you can't touch it without having to pay, you know, that management fee to raise so it's just about finding something that works and um, ideally finding something that is the lowest possible fee or no fee way of getting exposure to the market. Yeah, agreed. Okay, next question, Ren. All right. Next one's a bit of a long one, so and it's a bit technical, but I'll just try and pull out the main points. So uh, the questioner works for a company that grants restricted stock options 
RSUs, not sure how the acronym comes, but grant, grants them these RSUs every year. And so the questioner is asking, how do you calculate their returns based on these? Because the acquisition cost for these options is listed at zero. I assume they mean in their brokerage account or wherever they're looking at it. And then they're calculated at fair market value on the date that they vest. Now, a lot of this may not make sense for people that aren't getting options, um, the stock options from their company. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Essentially, the the questioner wants to know how they should calculate returns, how they should think about tax. And then there's another program, a stock purchasing program, that allows them to purchase stock at 15% below market value. And then they also are asking the same questions about that. So there's a lot of questions wrapped up into one there. I don't know how you want to tackle that. Probably to start with, we want to say that we don't give tax advice. Yeah, absolutely. That would be how I start. Definitely. This is a question for the tax accountant. And also, also just sorry, um, we both work for companies that do things like this. I don't get options. I'm not sure if you do, but there'll be someone in your company that should be able to give some advice on this, surely. Yeah, no, I don't get... Sorry if you were going to say that. I I do not get options either, but we do have the employee stock purchase program where we also get to purchase at a 15% discount. So with RSUs, you're taxed, uh, this is from what I've, I've researched, you're taxed when you receive the shares. So your taxable income is the market value of the shares at the time of vesting. So if you've received restricted stock units, that's great, but it's at the time that they vest that you will be taxed and, and that taxable income is is how it's valued. In terms of the employee stock purchase program, that they t- you have to take into consideration a number of inputs. So the market price on the first date of the subscription period, market price on your purchase date, discount rate, market value on the date of sale, if you do sell them, uh, and then obviously your ordinary tax income as well, plus any capital gains. So a bit complicated. I did have a Google at this and there is a great website, ESPP Calculator, that essentially does it all for you. So I'd check that out. But look, without giving too much advice around this tax side of things, because it is very specific, I'd probably just leave it there and say, uh, check it out with, as you said, Ren, someone in your company will know or, or a tax accountant. So yeah, should we move on? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know if we answered that question very well, but, um, I think it's one that is, we just, we just like, we don't know you. Yeah. yeah. We, we can't, we can't give you tax yeah. advice. So I've got one for you, Ren. Yeah. This one uh, comes through from a listener, loves the podcast and has heard us talking about the Asian market a lot. So wants to know what we think of China, China's 10 cent as an investment option is it too big now to give any solid market return? Obviously, we're not giving any investment <laughs> advice, but... W- w- yeah, I was going to say it. <laughs> What's, I guess let's... I, I feel like we say... <laughs> let's rephrase this and say, what are your thoughts on Tencent okay, as okay. a company? Yeah, okay. Um, I, I hate the fact that so many of the questions we start with, we can't give specific tax or investment advice, but the fact of the matter is we can't and... Really, we sh- we shouldn't. You shouldn't be looking to us for it. We're all just trying to learn together. In saying that, Tencent, fascinating company, one of the big Chinese internet giants, has obviously had a crazy run of late. Although it did fall pretty sharply in the at the end of uh, last year. The, this year alone, it's up 17 percent. So it's a really strong company. It does a lot of internet services, gaming. It's got big investments in Chinese entertainment. It's got investments in AI. 
in a number of areas, it's sort of chasing Amazon and Microsoft in uh, cloud computing and stuff like that. So it's a interesting company in a very large market with a lot of capital moving into the tech sector and with a large population base that is growing and adopting more and more technology. So there's probably a lot of positive macro trends. On the flip side, though, I think we, we, we said this in an answer to a question earlier, all it would take is, you know, one person in 10 cent to uh, annoy someone in the, in the, you know, a senior party official. And then there's an open question about that. So there's always that regulatory risk in China, but it's a, it's a it would, it would definitely be in, it would, it would be a company on my watch list, I guess is probably as far as I'm going to say. Nice. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, yeah, certainly a company on my watch list has been for a while. As you said, they have their fingers in a lot of pies. Huge company. I think 16% to 17% growth since start of year is actually probably below market return. So that's a, Yeah, that's fair. That is fair, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know how the Chinese market's gone, but... Yeah, true. But we, as you said, it's I think it's on the NASDAQ. So anyway... Uh, Hong, Hong Kong, yeah. Hong yeah. Kong, sorry. No, yeah, Alibaba's NASDAQ. So yeah, massive company. I think um, great potential long-term in terms of the markets that it's in, but... Uh, not one that I'm invested in at the moment. Yeah, uh, I'm not invested in it either, but it is an, it is an interesting one. Equity, mate. All right, so we're back and I have a question for you. A listener has written in, they are looking to start their investment journey, start their first investing portfolio. A few details about them. They're in their late 30s, they have a family home with a small mortgage. The problem as the listener sees it is that they don't understand the basics of economics, things like interest rates and how they affect different asset classes. So while they're really interested in investing in equities, they're concerned that they don't have a good enough understanding of the broader sort of economic theory and how uh, macroeconomics affects investments to really start investing. So I guess the questioner specifically asks, do we have any free courses that we'd recommend? But I guess also more generally, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, understanding economics before you start investing? It's a great question, Ren, and I would love to be able to say go to equitymates.com forward slash economics course and pay two ninety nine for our <laughs> for our basics one oh one. But unfortunately we don't have that. <laughs> Maybe that's a twenty twenty goal. <laughs> no, this is a this is a great question. The reason I like it, Ren, is because at the listener our listener has obviously really understood that to to be a good investor, it's not just about understanding particular companies and and understanding stock price movement and stuff. I think, you know, it, it's really advantageous to have a, a solid understanding of, of how the economy works and how everything is interlinked. Uh, and then you can really start making some good uh, predictive investments, I think, based on, as you said, interest rates and, and general economic uh, activity. So great, I think, mentality to want to know more about this space. In terms of how would we do it, what my thoughts are, it's a lifelong journey. It's, I don't think, something that you can just pick up straight away. Obviously, there's a lot of economic 101 courses that you can do free online or through YouTube. I'd check out udemy.com and obviously YouTube has a lot as well. Uh, maybe even buy a couple of economic 101 books from some universities uh, studied it at uni. So there's uh, great 
foundations there that you can learn in terms of interest rates and asset classes and supply and demand and that sort of stuff. But in terms of uh, other resources as well, I think reading the AFR financial, what is it, Wall Street Journal and, and those sorts of newspapers sort of front to back if you can really give you some good insight into uh, how the economy works as well. They have some great articles and obviously sign up to Thought Starters because Ren puts a, <laughs> a lot of effort into putting some articles in there that give you a really good insight as well into uh, how the economics works, not just uh, domestically, but also globally. So yeah, I, I think my main message is probably don't try and get too phased about learning it all at once. It's something that you learn over time and you'll start fitting all the pieces together. Anything from you, Ren? I just, I don't, I think the important thing to keep in mind is to not let perfection be the enemy of the good. Yeah. That you, there will always be things that you don't understand or you want to understand better. And that's good. That means you're curious and you want to learn more and you should run with that. But that shouldn't stop you from starting. It should uh, encourage you to keep going and to learn more as you go on your investing journey. When we started this podcast, I didn't know the difference between an LIC and an ETF, and I now do, thankfully. But you just got to keep learning and keep going, but don't don't let it stop you because there's a real value in starting as early as possible. And to think that you need to have a certain level of knowledge before you can start will mean you miss out on some of those early years of compounding growth. Alrighty, so we'll move on to the next one, Ren, and this comes in from a listener all the way from Sweden. So super exciting that we are finally making it outside the walls of uh, New South Wales, Victoria, (laughs) Western Australia, across the ditch and uh, all the way up to Sweden. So awesome that we're starting to get some international listeners. Ren, this question comes in from him and his girlfriend, who's actually Australian. Uh, They are looking at starting to buy some stocks in Australia. And and this is a classic question we get all the time. Where's probably the best and cheapest way to to buy shares and stocks in Australia? I think the cheapest that we have at the moment may be CMC Markets at $6 a trade. Is that that right? Do you know a cheaper one? I don't know. No, I know interactive brokers have a pretty good discount. uh, And sorry, not discount, have a percentage as part of your broker, but I haven't looked into that, to be honest. Okay. So I'm going to so, say yeah. at this stage, I think CMC is the cheapest in Australia at $6 a trade in saying that there may be a cheaper one and we will shamelessly plug a cheaper one if they want to hit us up. But I also think similar to my answer to the last question, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You know, the difference between $6 at CMC, $8 at IG, and there will be some, you know, in the tens or low teens. They all have different features. They all have different layouts, different uh, selling points. Find one that works for you. And if you're willing to pay two, three, four dollars more a trade, but you get better research, better information, you find it easier and you're more comfortable using it. That that trade-off may be worth it. So find the one that works for you. But if you wanted to start at the absolute cheapest, the cheapest that. I'm aware of at least in Australia is CMC Markets. And also, if you haven't already, listen to episode number 66 uh, in our essential archive. It's called The First Decision Every Investor Makes, and it's all about investing platforms. So I think we, we, we give a bit more of a comprehensive overview of all the points that Ren just touched on there. All right. Speaking of overseas listeners, we have a listener from the University of Illinois 
Illinois or no, Illinois. I'm pretty sure I was right. So they've started investing in stocks a couple of months ago and they have friends that also want to start their investing journey. And they want to know, are there investing options other than stocks, which are safer to invest in and require less time to monitor and research? Interesting. Well, let me start by saying awesome again that we've got uh, some listeners not in just Australia or Sweden, but now Illinois as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah, we've finally cracked the US market. That's what we've <laughs> been waiting for. <laughs> Here we go. Um, we'll be uh, we'll be going to Chicago to do a live show at the University of Illinois <laughs> very soon. <laughs> now I'll say that if you haven't listened to episode number eighty five, it's called "Okay, So You Want to Start Investing Basics One Hundred and One." Uh, the first half of that episode, we really do break down what are your investing options as a beginner? And we discuss, you know, it's not just direct stocks, but there's uh, listed investment companies and there's ETFs. And then you can also think about uh, investing in commodities and those sorts of things. So I would start with that episode if you haven't listened to it already. And I guess my answer, the way I view this question, Ren, is he's talking about direct stocks and to address the part of the question where he says requires less time to monitor or research, as we've discussed a thousand times before, I think the best option is to go through something like a, an ETF provider and, and find some ETFs, exchange traded funds that work for you, and then go from there. They don't really require too much effort in terms of, of watching day in, day out, uh, and they're pretty straightforward to research as well, You know, mainly based on macro trends or themes or, or indexes. So, uh, probably a good place to start. Likewise, over in America, there would be a bunch of uh, micro-investing apps similar to Ray's over here. I think they've got Robin Hood and a few others that you take away the... Yeah, they've got the original Acorns as well. Uh, And you're right, yeah, the original Acorns. So... uh, Have a look at those, as we spoke about earlier on the show before. Great, great way to to get dip your toe into the water of of investing and, and go from there. So that's probably my answer to that one, Ren. Anything from you? No, I I think there's no drama. Like whatever asset you, there's, if you have a preference for a particular asset for whatever reason it is, you you can, there's plenty of ways to make money in the market or in markets more generally. The main thing is starting. And the second thing is probably diversifying. So, you know, if, if they want to invest in property, there's ways to do that. If they want to invest in bonds, there's ways to do that. The only thing I'd say is while you may feel like you're being more conservative, centuries, at least decades of stock market history have shown us that the most sensible way to invest in terms of maximising your long-term returns is putting money in a broad index or in stocks and leaving it there. So just always keep that in mind when you're looking at other asset classes that you may be uh, arguing against history. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll ask you the next one. Someone has written in and asked us about NAB's equity builder. Now, I am not across it, but I think that you are, which is good that I'm asking you this question. (laughs) So (laughs) they've asked about it as a program, NAB Equity Builder, um, and asked if apparently it helps you get into the market sooner. So they've asked about that and they've asked about the tax benefits. And maybe for listeners um, and really just selfishly for me who aren't familiar with the program, if you can uh, start at the beginning, that'd be great. Yeah, Ren, let me take you back to the start of the story. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, this this is a great question. I I didn't know anything about NAB Equity Builder until the question came through. So did a bit of digging. And 
You know, it's an interesting product. So the NAB Equity Builder is a principal and interest investment loan that lets you borrow money to essentially buy financial assets through NAB. So you can buy things like managed funds, ETFs, uh, listed investment companies, as well as some separately managed accounts as well. Ren, the beauty with this, which I found interesting, is that there's actually no margin calls on this. It's just a regular month-by-month principal and interest repayment. So unlike your traditional margin loan where you would go to NAB and say, I want to borrow money to buy stocks, they would lend to you against, I guess, an amount of cash that you're also going to put in. But then based on the performance of your share portfolio, if it dropped too much against the, I guess, leveraged uh, value asset or LVA or whatever it's called, they would then say, hey, you need to put more money in. So the advantage in this, I guess, is that you don't have to do that. There's about 950 different sorts of investments on their list. So a huge range of investments that you could access, as we said, everything from managed funds to stocks and stuff. The interest rate at the moment, 6.8%, and it does have tax advantages, a repayment on an interest, uh, sorry, interest repayments on a, a loan such as this can be tax deductible depending on your tax circumstance. So again, don't take that as gospel. Certainly speak to your tax accountant about that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, from our point of, from my point of view, I think, you know, uh, leverage is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So by no means are we saying this is a great product, but it's just a new product to market that is competing with your traditional margin loan. I guess the risks are that using leverage not only can magnify your gains, but it can go the other way and completely magnify your losses as well. So be very careful with these sorts of products. Uh, And also, if you do miss your monthly repayments, your investments may be sold to repay the repayments, and then you might have capital gains implications for that as well. So... Yeah, I guess that's that's it, Ren. Pretty interesting product, something that I hadn't come across. Do you have any thoughts on it? I do. Not overly positive, to be honest. Yeah. So so I guess the, the concern that I have is that if the market does turn and rather than having a margin call and your provider uh, asking you to put more money in or they'll sell the shares to recover their money essentially what happens is you just got fall into negative equity. So it's it's the same situation as if you had a mortgage and then your house price tanks, mm. you just own an asset that you bought more than it's worth, but you're still paying off the loan and you're paying interest on the loan at the higher at the higher rate. Mm. And then if you try and sell the shares, just like if you sell a house for negative equity, then you have a gap that you just have to fund out of your own pocket. So 
You can still go into negative equity with margin loans as well. You just don't. Yeah, yeah, but then if if that then they they ask you to put more money in or they sell it to recover that money, then you, I guess you still have to fund the gap. Don't yeah, you? yeah. So it really uh, does it does it is it much different to a margin loan? I, I don't think so. No, I don't think it's much different. All they're saying is, to be honest, I haven't really looked much into the NAB margin loan option. I think what they're saying here is that you're not going to be required to put in any more pending the performance of your stocks. It's just what, a, what's the do you know what do you know what an interest rate on a margin loan is? I couldn't tell you to be honest. Haven't looked into it. So I guess that's something to consider with these products as well, Ren, is that if you've got an interest rate of 6.8%, you'd at least want dividend return or capital gains return to be a lot higher than 6.8% just to make it worth borrowing money for. So something to consider as well. So I've quickly looked at, I've just Googled margin loan interest rates and they're around 6% as well, between 6 and 6.8. So yeah, I'm, I'm maybe I'm missing something, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's materially that much different. I'm sure there's something in the T's and C's that make it different, but um, in terms of high level, how it affects your portfolio, the benefits of it, um, borrowing money to invest more, and the risks of um, making a bad investment and then having to repay that loan mm. and still pay interest on the loan. Yeah, and for me, the tax advantages. Well, there's a tax advantage either either way, isn't there? Because if you're paying interest on a margin loan, that's tax deductible, isn't it? Yeah, but what I'm saying is that in itself is not a motivator for me to go out and take out this sort of product, the the tax advantage that it no, comes at no. this stage in, in my investing journey. Yeah, I mean, as Warren Buffett says, the best thing to, you can ever do is have to pay tax because it means you've made money. You've done so. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, uh, look, potentially I'm wrong. Um, a lot of people make money by, you know, leveraging their returns through margin loans or this equity builder loan as well. My my only criticism is uh, my limited exposure to it. It doesn't seem materially different. It may just be a different wrapper on a investment loan. Nice. All right. Well, let's move to the final question, Ren. We'll keep this one brief. It's um, another ETF related question. So I'll ask you, our listener, wants to know if he has a chunk of money and wants to spread it across three ways across three different ETFs, should you choose ETFs from different fund managers to spread your money across? Or is there no harm in buying from three from the same fund manager, obviously different ETFs, but same manager? What are your thoughts on that? Is it less risky? Is it more risky? Is there no difference? So I think in a nutshell, it's not, it's not that big a concern. The specific situation where you may be concerned is if you're buying three from a tiny little fund manager, there may be some risk around that fund manager not having the liquidity to make the markets that they need to make without getting too much into the technicals of the ETF. Essentially, when you sell a unit, then they have to go and sell that unit into the market and vice versa when you buy. They have to go there and buy from the market. So if there's a run on the market on a particular index maybe there's some risk there but in a nutshell i don't think it's that risky especially when you're talking about the vanguards and the black rocks of the world who have literally trillions of dollars of assets under management i wouldn't be too concerned i think the main thing is buy three that are diversified in that they are exposed to different sectors and different countries and different uh different factors so 
the three indexes aren't all moving in the same way. You know, if you bought a NASDAQ index and S&P 500 index and a total US market index, you're not really diversified regardless of who you bought them from. Nice. All right. Well, let's leave it there, Ren. Uh, Some really good questions there. We hope we've been able to answer them to the standard that those listeners would have liked. As we said, any sort of tax-related stuff is probably not something that we can answer in detail. So definitely ask your tax accountants about that. But otherwise, keep the questions coming in. We really uh, enjoy sifting through them each month and, and choosing out some of the good ones to answer. So appreciate all of those listeners who sent them in last month and we look forward to doing this again in a month's time, Ren. So uh, I guess we'll leave it there. Sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Equity mates! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you can. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.